Hello there, and welcome back to the Chat Shit Get Fit podcast. This week, we are joined by Nikki Rogers, also known as The Mind Coach. She is a qualified neuro-linguistic programming practitioner and a qualified NLP sports practitioner. She is also a seasoned triathlete and runner and has taken part in numerous races over the past 10 plus years and has secured several age group wins, regional prizes and podium positions. In triathlon, she qualified for Team GB, very impressive, at sprint distance and also secured a spot at the World Championships, also very impressive, for the half Ironman distance. In 2016, she completed UK Ironman, finishing fourth in her age group. Now if we fast forward, she is currently hitting the trails and nurturing a dream of becoming an ultra runner. What she spends most of her time doing now, though, is helping athletes develop the mental strength, fitness and skills they need to train, perform and be at their best. Now, mindset does tend to have this stigma as perhaps something that is really expensive and only for the top, top athletes. And we do discuss why this isn't the case. And as we progress through the podcast, Nikki is going to give us some awesome actionable takeaways that anyone and everyone can benefit from. Now, before we proceed, we did have some savage technical difficulties, but... Like the editing wizard I am, I have pieced together a podcast for you to listen to. Unfortunately, we did lose some of the conversation, but if I go back to my previous wizardry comments, you won't even notice. And essentially what I'm saying is, is that this is all a technological facade, as there are certain conversations towards the end that didn't even take place in a way that you'll hear them. The power of technology and editing is frightening. And as someone has even said to me before, is Tom even real? That's how far we've gone down this rabbit hole. Well, after what I've just said, I'll let you decide. Maybe Tom is an AI program I have created for your entertainment. Or maybe me and Tom are one of the same and I'm just really good at using deep fake technology. At this point, you're probably thinking what the fuck is going on. So yeah, let's just get into it. Good evening, everyone. Good evening. How are we doing? Very well. Magical. I am free from all technical difficulties as it stands. I want to say seconds, <laughs> but uh, I, I, I've literally got... Well, I've touched wood, but then again, it's fake wood. It's B&M, so I don't think that's going to bring me any luck at all. <laughs> Let's find out. Is our guest in the studio? Talk to us. Are you there? Hi, Nikki speaking. Hello, Nikki. Oh, wow. Look at that. Perfect. <laughs> there's been absolutely no technical difficulties for the last forty minutes. We, you know, this podcast is uh, is seamless. It's it's professional. There's absolutely no problems at all. Um, I mean, my hair, my hair has not gone grey in the past forty minutes. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, love it. Well, good news is it sounds like it's going okay so far. So what we're doing is we're going to jump into it before uh, the internet explodes on us again. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to introduce you to to Nikki, and this is a one-off special again. Sometimes we do chat on PTs, but this is an episode all about mindset, which we're going to explore in some depth. But first, if you're a familiar, sort of a, a regular listener, you'll know that whatever guests we have on, regardless if it's a one-off special or a chat on PTs, we get some pet peeve chaos on the go. So Nikki, what we want to do is we want to establish your top gym pet peeve. Now this doesn't have to be gym-based, it can be health-based, mindset-based, fitness-based, but whatever really ticks you off. And then me and Tom are going to rank this using our coveted super-duper magical scale, which is, Tom, what is it this week? Joe, let's go with the the, the, the rate of uh, perceived mindfuckery, since we are Ooh. talking to the mind coach. I like I like that. Yeah, the rate of perceived mindfuckery. Yeah, yeah very on good. scale so, one to ten. <laughs> How much something is mindfuck? Yeah, I like it. Cool. Um, brilliant. Uh, so, what, what is your pet peeve, Nikki? <laughs> yeah, so my pet peeve, um, I kind of sum it up with the idea of just not doing the work. And I don't just mean rocking up and just not physically putting in the effort, although I, I do mean that. I kind of feel like if you're just going to show up, you may as well, you know, do the work. But I mean it mentally as well. I mean, you see it when people just, they're just not open to the idea that they can grow, that they can improve, that they can do better. They're not kind of thinking about what's in front of them and the step in front of them for reaching their goals. It's So it's mental effort. It's kind of thinking about the work that they need to do mentally as much as physically so I hope that kind of makes sense but that's what pisses me off when I see potential in people when I see what they're capable of but they're just not doing what they need to do physically and mentally to get there I find it really frustrating so it's it's like it's frustrating for the right reasons because I'm you know I want them to do well I want them to be better I want them to you know run faster lift heavier be more capable but it's it's kind of they've got to do the work you know and I think there's a mindset around that that um is my pet peeve when people are just not willing to um to show up to it does that make sense 
Yeah, I think it links back to that, to that quote, isn't it? Is that you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink it, which is you can give people all the tools and the advice and the information they need to succeed. Uh, but unfortunately, it's got to come from within for them to actually go and do the work. So I can see why that's frustrating, especially when you spend, you know, you know, I start when you spend time with clients, you know, hours and hours, and you think, yeah, I've just given you so many great action points here. We're going to see so much success. And then they don't do it. And you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> and then, as you said, it's very frustrating because you're like, oh, there was so much potential there. But alas, <laughs> you know the analogy is when you go and when you've got an injury and you go and see the physio and they give you like admittedly quite dull rehab to do um and you're meant to do it for like you know 10 minutes a day for six weeks and no one does it and then they wonder why the injury hasn't gone away so that's that's kind of what i mean it's a, it's a sort of an approach really isn't it it's an approach to your to your to your workout it's it, you've got to, you can't just turn up you have to do the work so that's my thing wait, wait, what do you think of this one tom Oh, it's a bit of a tough one. I mean, particularly in the last one, especially... So, admittedly, I'm a bit more of a soft touch when it comes to my clients in particular. But when you kind of said about the physio aspect there, one of my pet hates is when people don't put the work in regards to, well, actual adherence. So, that that is one of my major pet peeves, actually, is when, like, I've, I've told you what you need to do, and I understand that there can be barriers or contraindications as to why you can't do it or you know things come up but when it's like consistently happening you can tell that you know what this person's almost looking for excuses now not to adhere to the plan that that can be really infuriating so oh, on a scale of mindfuckery that's oh i'm, I'm gonna go for seven I'm, I'm gonna be it's you know it's quite high but I'm trying to be generous. Yeah. You're a gentle, you're a gentle, a gentle man. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm yeah. trying. You can lead the horse to water, but you can't make them drink it. You, but you can drown them in oh, it. Jesus Christ! If you've got hands big <laughs> that enough. Escalated. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think. I think I have to agree. Tom. I might. I might go a bit higher. I might say seven point five. I'm going to say seven point five. I think it's it's there. It's nearly an eight. I'd say. And there's obviously con- well, the context is obviously important as well, isn't it? But yeah, I think as a general. Yeah, so it's a pretty high score there, Nikki. Uh, but I'm sure we're going to explore the mindset behind perhaps why people are, are like this, but um, we'll obviously come on to that. Okay, Nikki, we're now going to move a little bit more on to, onto you now. Okay, so this is an episode all about mindset. Of course, you're going to take us on a journey of mindset. So I think we should get a bit of an introduction. Um, what I kind of want to know is how did you get involved into this mad world, I'll call it? Um, you know, what led you to this passion? Because you're very passionate about this, what people see online. So kind of what, what led you down this path, essentially? Yeah, so I am really passionate about it. And it started out, there wasn't any kind of one sudden moment, there were kind of several um, little steps on on the journey. Um, And it started really that I had a conversation with a good friend of mine, and we were both competing at triathlon at the time. And she confessed to me that she self-sabotaged in races. And my jaw literally dropped. I couldn't believe what she was telling me I'd never heard anything like that and it certainly wasn't my own experience but it turned out that she wasn't alone I kind of spoke to more people and I looked at the different ways that they were not quite meeting their potential in their racing and in their performance and I realized that they were getting in their own way but I didn't know how to help them Um, and I went started off down the line of of training to be an actual triathlon coach because I wanted to help people reach their potential and get better in their chosen sport. But I realized quite quickly that 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 wasn't it. That wasn't where I wanted to help people. And then a coach actually introduced me to a course that was um, about uh, mind coaching, but specifically then for athletes. And it was like, you know, when the hairs on your neck go up and you just kind of know instinctively that this is it. And this is the moment. This is it. This is what I've been looking for. Um, and so off I went and I'd never looked back. Um, so that was where it really happened. It was kind of post-competitive time in, in sport, but it was it was at the right time to then be able to help other people. At what point did you say this became a big part of maybe your uh, your competitive side? Because if we actually look at kind of the stuff you've done, you, I mean, you're a part of a qualifying team for GB triathlon at sprint distance. That was in 2016. Yeah, was yeah, yeah. Was yeah. important to you then? Was that sort of around that uh, time? Yeah, I qualified for the um, the one I really wanted to. Yeah, it was the middle distance that I was really into. I qualified for the world championships for that, but it's uh, it's a really expensive sport, <laughs> so I couldn't afford to go. But no, I see the the irony is that it was after I'd finished my I kind of hung my competitive shoes up that I got really into the mental side of it. I was kind of unaware of sports psychology, of mental training, 
um, you know, of mind coaching, whatever you want to call it, I hadn't really become um, aware of it while I was actually competing. In hindsight, I realized that I used a lot of kind of tried and tested strategies. And I realized that I had some, you know, I sound like I'm blowing my own trumpet, but I, one of the reasons I did well was because I think I had the right mindset and I think I had some pretty cool mental techniques. Um, but I didn't realize until I'd, you know, trained that that's what I was doing. I didn't realize that other people weren't doing it. I just thought what I was doing was normal and natural. So, um, yeah, so some of that realization was, was later, was kind of too late. And I wish in some ways I'd been more aware of, of all those kind of techniques because I might have been able to hone them even more and kind of dialed in a bit more my own performance. But, um, but I'm, you know, now I can do it for other people. So that's even better. Well, exactly. Yeah, you've kind of you've learned from your own experiences, and you've applied it to the, to the knowledge you've gained education as well, which I think is um, pretty important. It's a combination is it, of both um, education and, of course, experience. God, yeah. I mean, I don't think I don't think I'd be half the coach that I am if I hadn't actually walked the walk. You know, if I hadn't done it, if I'd just read about it. So it's really helpful to me when I have clients, for example, that I know what it feels like to. Um, to choke in competition for example or to have a lack of belief in confidence in your abilities I, I've been there you know I've been through it so I do know what it feels like and I think it makes a huge difference so alongside my training I've actually got that life experience I've got that athletic experience and it genuinely helps I'm sure for, for real it definitely helps having that anecdotal experience especially if it's something that's quite specific to let's say a certain client where you've been through the exact thing they're going through or you've actually had a very similar goal and it, it, it can help mm. to uh, you know sure. put yourself in their shoes or to have been in their shoes yeah you definitely get I mean I think it just garners a bit more well two things really I suppose a bit more rapport but also a bit more respect and it's like you know they they kind of they feel understood you know they feel seen um so if you are able to understand what they're talking about not just because they're explaining it to you, but you can actually, you know, it's like when you turn up to um, to a gym or to you're going to work with a PT and you kind of want them to be able to do what you're trying to do. It doesn't necessarily make them a better PT, but it helps that client, yeah. doesn't it? The, the client sees you able to do it. They're inspired, you know, and that gives them motivation. So it's the it's the way people respond to you that helps is if you've been through it, I think. I think that's, yeah, I think that's really important because something I, I think a lot of is that we have a, an ability as people to always think that what we're going through is we're the only people in the world who go through it. When you actually look, most people go through very similar things all over the place. Yeah. Um, and we get this, uh, you know, this incessant voice saying, oh, you, you're, no one understands me. No one understands what I'm going through. But if you can then find someone who can actually sit there and go, no, I know what it's like. I know, I know, I know what, it's, what it's like to go through that. Then, yeah, straight away, you've got that rapport. And I think it leads to much better results uh, down the line, 100%. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, you've and you've got to have a coach that knows what you're talking about. Otherwise, it's, you know, it's just you may as well stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Nick. If we dive into some more specific mind stuff, stuff then, uh, well, mind stuff, 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 so sort of mindset stuff. Um, I think a great plot. <laughs> not I a psychic, great, Bill. <laughs> yeah, not a psychic. I don't write. Yeah, you know, mind reading. Um, so I think a really good place to start, kind of talk about we talk about individuals and going through things, is this sort of concept of self-sabotage. You know, why are we so negative? Why are we so self-critical? Um, and something obviously you're going to go to it now, but something I think is a big factor is probably comparison. I'm not sure what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, I mean, self-sabotage shows up in loads of different ways. It's different things for different people. And some people don't even know what they're doing is self-sabotage, if, if that makes sense. So, you know, Self-sabotage could be not quite um, doing the full extent of the training, for example, because then it gives you an excuse for why you didn't hit whatever your goal was. But you don't necessarily know that you're self-sabotaging in that because it's what self-sabotage really is often boils down to is, um, I mean, I'm trying not to overgeneralize because obviously we're all the same, but we're all different. But self-sabotage is kind of like a fear of failure. Um, and we think we're not going to hit the, you know, we're not going to hit the mark. We're just not going to be able to do it. So rather than kind of live through that failure, which is actually the right thing to do because it teaches you and you grow from everything that you fail from, yeah. you know, you grow from. Failure is feedback. Yeah, failure is feedback. That's exactly what I was just about to say. That's exactly it. And that's, so this is where, um, you know, we have a negativity bias. As humans, our brains are hardwired to lean towards the negative it takes um you know nanoseconds to jump to ne negative conclusions but it takes a 12 seconds to do the opposite to think of a positive one 
Um, but the joy of negativity bias is, of course, that because they mistakes and failures and things going wrong have more of an impact on us cognitively and mentally, we then can actually look at what, what's gone wrong and what can we learn from it. But that's a mindset thing. You know, you can, you can fail at something, but you can see that as, well, this is rubbish. I'm rubbish. I'm never going to get any better. I can't do it, which is that kind of fixed mindset mentality. Or you can look and say, well, okay, that didn't quite go to plan. What am I going to do differently next time? How am I going to make sure that I don't do that mistake again? So it's looking at it from a point of view of action that you're going to take. Um, so to, to double back to your point about comparison, is it, it is tied in because if you're feeling, if you've got limiting beliefs about yourself, if you've got self-doubt, if you're all con if you're questioning your confidence or your abilities or any of those kind of um, negativity that kind of that conversation that goes on in your head sometimes that can show up as comparison you know you look and you think well I'm not as good as or they're stronger than me they, they've been doing this for longer than me they're better than me and quite often that isn't obviously that's not necessarily true although you know they may be on a different stage of their journey so I always say to people you can't really compare your chapter with another person's but it's mm. the only I mean but there are times when comparison you know, people say it's the thief of joy, but there are times when you can, again, use that. If you catch yourself in comparison, I wish I was more like him. I wish I could do that. I wish I was more like her. I wish I was faster, thinner, you know, all that kind of stuff. What you can do is look at what that's triggering in you. Why is it that thing that you're comparing with? What are they doing that you could do, you know, that will benefit you? How are they doing things? How are they achieving what you'd like to achieve? Is it their praxis? Is it their skill set? You know, is it their mindset? What are they doing that you're not doing? Because that's what we do when we're comparing. We're kind of, it's usually something we feel we're lacking. And maybe if you do the work around that, see, I keep coming back to doing the work. But if you stop for a minute and think, well, why am I comparing myself here? What is it that I'm envious of? You know, what have they got that I can't? And how do I get it? So one of the things I say to people all the time is we spend too much time thinking about why. And why am I not like this? And why I wish why should I was more like, why am I more like them? And all this kind of stuff. But why isn't actually helpful? It's interesting. And you might come up with answers. But the more kind of effective way to look at things is, well, what can I do to be more like that person or to be whatever it is you want to be? And how am I going to do it? So by all means, spend some time with the why, but you're not going to move forward. You're not going to progress with why. Um, if you start looking at what and how, then you'll take action, you'll get answers. It's, and it takes the emotion out of that situation that's going on. If you talk about why, it's a very emotional word, um, but what and how remove you from that emotion, it gives you a chance to stand back and look at it objectively and go, okay, I need to attack this problem in this way. So you start taking action. And action is where the change happens. You know, we can sit and talk about why we don't do what we're doing, need to do all the time, but we don't take action if we don't look at what and how a lot of people are that all talk isn't it uh and i want to go back to the kind of the the fact that we always go back to these negative thoughts right we always keep going back to them and i want to talk about a quote which um obviously we, we spoke about off air as well um and it was that idea of a lot of people out there i'm not obviously you know you're obviously better than this nikki of course but there's some people out there who claim to be in the mindset space and you know wellness etc and they'll, they'll always try and tell people to think more positively you know think positive thoughts um and that, and i I was, it's this whole thing of simply telling someone to have more positive thoughts, stop being negative. Toxic positivity. Toxic yeah, toxic positivity, positivity yeah. as we yeah, yeah. as we've spoken about before. I um, can't. I can't. And go on. <laughs> I can see Nikki's erupting here. She's about to yes. kick off. <laughs> no, no. I was just I I just wanted to chime in with toxic positivity is one of my you know it doesn't work. It's not helpful. <laughs> It's not helpful, no, exactly. It's not helpful at all. Um, and it all, it, come, it comes back to this this quote, Nikki, of, it's from Bruce Lipton. And I know you know this quote, but obviously our listeners won't. And it's, our thoughts are mainly controlled by our subconscious and you cannot change the subconscious mind just by thinking about it. That's why the power of positive thinking, so that toxic positivity, won't work for most people. The subconscious mind is like a tape player. Until you change the tape, it will not change. Now, I want to kind of come up with your thoughts about that. What is the whole concept of changing the tape? What's, what's all that about? Yeah, so your subconscious um, is actually responsible for pretty much everything you do. Um, your conscious mind 
kind of steps in afterwards. But your conscious mind is that automatic film thinking, that automatic behavior that kind of clicks in without you even thinking. And it builds, what, what goes on in our subconscious is all our lifetime of, of beliefs and stories that we've told ourselves and what we think is true. You know, and our subconscious believes everything you tell it, whether that's fact or fiction. If you tell it something, it doesn't know the difference between imagined and reality. So our subconscious is full of all these um, things that we think about ourselves as true. Not necessarily true, but we've told ourselves over the time, over years, we, you know, we think these certain things about ourselves and we have these beliefs about ourselves that we think are true. So what's happening with that quote is that um, you, if you say to yourself in the mirror, you know, oh, I'm amazing, I'm going to be fantastic today, I'm, a, I'm, you know, I'm the star, whatever it is, these positive affirmations, right, they're not going to be, um, they're not going to be effective if they're contrary to what you've been telling or what your subconscious has been thinking for years. So the way that you have to change your subconscious, and it can be done, you can rewire your brain, you can change the way you think, um, but much like physical training, it does take practice, you know, and repetition. It is a case of know what you need to do and then rinse yeah. and repeat. Uh, I think that's what people don't realize with any kind of mental training is that they think that they have a turnkey solution, do it once and they're fine. But you don't, you know, you don't come into to gym and expect to lift whatever your max is straight away, do you? You build up to it and you practice and you get your form right and you learn how to do this. So it's the same with mental training. So changing the subconscious, changing that tape does take practice and it does take work. You know, there are different ways to do it and some are more effective than others and some people will find what works for them, you know, doesn't work as well for other people, but it can be done. It can be done. You can rewire. It's like neurologically proven. There is neuroplasticity is a thing. Yeah. It depends how entrenched those limiting beliefs are, you know, and how much time you need to spend doing it and what techniques you work, but it can be changed. But the first way you have to do it is to become aware of what those limiting beliefs are. You know, what is the, what is the story that's in your subconscious that's getting in your way? What is it that's stopping you? And if you can't change something that you're not aware of. So they're amazing how many people don't know what it is that's getting in their way. They might have an inkling that maybe there is something that's holding them back but they haven't actually brought any awareness to that. So that's the first thing I would say. If you if you want to try and change that tape, you've got to spend some time exploring what that tape is playing. You know, what is it saying? What does it mean? And that takes a bit of practice. If you've never done that kind of thing before, if you've never spent any time looking at what your limiting beliefs are or what the stories are that you're telling yourself, that's going to feel really new and not necessarily particularly comfortable. Now, you can do that in a number of different ways, you know, journaling is a really good way because you kind of have to write it down and then you have to, and there's a kind of way that writing makes your mind work differently. So that's an option. But to even just become aware of, of when you're getting these thoughts and when you're having these stories, you know, when you can just feel it at work, just stopping and being aware of it is even a brilliant step towards change, you know, just because you just notice it and you get curious about it. You don't necessarily even have to start changing the tape at that point. You just go, oh, there's that song again. You know, you're playing the tape and that song comes on and you used to let it play out in the background and you didn't even pay any attention. Now you have to stop and go, oh, there's that song again. So that's kind of the first step. You can't, you know, you've got to be aware of things before you can change them and take some notice of them and kind of get curious about them really. You know, and what, what, what's, what are the triggers? When does this happen? You know, that's the next step. It's like, okay, so when does this song come on? You know, is it when I'm just about to perform? Is it in training? Is it after training? You know, it's just like, see if there's a pattern to when it happens, because we can't change patterns until we see see what they are. Does that make sense? You know, and so it's like, what is it? I, I think what I like about that, Nick, is your, your talk about awareness there brings us back kind of to a guest we had on recently, a guy called Rory, and a quote he said I really like is, um, awareness precedes choice and choice precedes change. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, and I mm. think... Uh, and I think that's, that's it's so important because a lot of people, as you said, doing the work, going into that place of discomfort is doing the work. And people don't like going there because, yeah, we get to discomfort. And we, 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 you know, we, we'd like to show away from it. But unfortunately, sometimes we need to go to these places to make the real change. So I think, yeah, that is part of changing the tape. Do you know what? Um, I was speaking with a client recently and she kind of figured out herself that when I'm t- kind of talking to her, she figured out, oh, I, I've kind of realized that when you ask me certain questions like do your check-ins with me you're basically making me self-reflect 
And in order to like kind of rewire ourselves for behavior change, you do need self-reflection because that's where you figure out patterns. That's where you actually take a step back and realize, oh, actually, yeah, this is actually a pattern here. This is a habit, et cetera. So it was pretty cool for my own client to kind of figure out herself. And the next step, you see, so once you've kind of become aware of a pattern of behavior is the, as I think I said, you know, it's like doing the work, is the willingness to change. And then I think you quite rightly said, Bill, you know, it's not always comfortable. It's not always easy. Um, but that's where growth happens, isn't it? You know, you, you every time you step out, I know it's a cliche, but every time you step out of your comfort zone, your confidence grows, you know. But it doesn't have to be difficult, you know. You can, it's just the willingness to do the change. Sometimes the changes can be reframing things or you know differing choosing different self-talk but as you said choice is um something that people often avoid because choice is empowering choice makes it down to you there are no excuses you know you can choose to do the work or choose not to do the work (laughs) so a lot of people don't like the idea of, of choice because it doesn't it you know having no choice gets them off the hook but yeah so you become aware is the first stage and then you notice the patterns and then you figure out whether you're willing to change the patterns whether you're willing to do the work one of the first things I do with clients before we talk about anything is I try and ascertain are they willing to change? How badly do they want to change? Do they want to do the work? You know, because if you're not, if you don't feel motivated to do that change, if you don't feel hungry for change, then that t- that tape is just going to keep playing. You might be aware of the song, but you're not going to hear a new song until you say, right, okay, what are we going to do? Um, so, you know, that's that's the other thing. You've got to be open to the idea of, of change. And it comes back down to what I've said about a growth mindset. You know, people say, oh, I can't do that. Well, I like people who say, well, I can't do it yet, but let's have a go and I can practice and I'll get better and I'll learn as I go. You know, so that's that attitude that you bring um, can help you change the tape. And like I said, the other thing is you've just got to once you figure out what you need to do and I, I can, you know, it's different for everybody. And that's where mind coaching helps. But once you've figured out what you need to change, you then obviously have to figure out how you go to do that. And then once you've figured out how you're changing it, it's like I said, it's rinse and repeat. It's practice, repeat, practice, repeat, because then that's, it takes a while to kind of rewire your brain. And that's why you have to keep redoing it. You have to, it needs repetition to really be, um, for that tape to be changed, you know? So, so it's, it's sort of three, four step process. Um, and it's not that complicated, but it's just about doing those steps, you know, taking those steps and being willing to, to see where that, where that takes you. Nick, if we move on to an, another point now, so if we take it on to more of a performance setting. So something I've seen you've been quite vocal about and something I think a lot of our listeners will be able to... Um, sort of you know you know they'll be able to I forgot I don't really I'm losing losing the word to say that but basically they'll, they'll, they'll listen <laughs> they'll, they'll relate they'll, to they'll, it <laughs> they'll relate there you go how is that such a difficult word you know god's sake I need, I need some uh some language master coaching here <laughs> but um anyway performance anxiety obviously I'm having podcast anxiety as we speak um I mean the, the question really is Nikki is is it okay to feel nervous but you know is there a point where it can go too far because I kind of link it back to this thing as, as a, you know as a society do we have this inability to essentially switch off um and I think we're basically chronic stress heads at this point aren't we so is this is this all linked into people going too far with performance anxiety so p- performance anxiety is something I I deal with with clients on on quite an off quite a regular basis um so we have like um an arousal dial, if you will, you, as you say, you can get kind of, you can be too relaxed and you can be too pumped up, you know, and you need to be somewhere, um, that's just about right. And it's slightly different for everybody. You know, it's just kind of finding out how you fine tune that dial between being relaxed so that you're not stressing out about performance. So you're on competition day, for example, you're going to need some adrenaline because that's, that's your body's way of telling you that it matters and that you're excited and that you're prepped and you're ready, you know, because mm-hmm. you have to show up to a performance. You can't just show up like you do to training. You know, you do have to feel slightly different because you're leveling up, right? But there's a subtle difference between um, excitement and nerves. I always say nerves, you know, it's excitement in a different dress. But nerves and anxiety are a negative thing and you can start doubting yourself and it's you start wondering whether you've done all the right training and you start having these negative conversations, you know, right right before you go into competition and that's not helpful. So it's, um, you know, you need to be pumped and you need to be excited but you need to be feeling 
ready, you know, and you need to be feeling excited that you're now about to execute everything that you've trained for. So it's kind of the the way you frame that that kind of feeling. Um, you know, you don't want your heart rate so high with um, anxiety that you, you can't relax. You've got to be able to be slightly chilled. So you're right. Our stress-head lifestyles do not help because I work... Um, it's amazing how freaked out my clients get when I talk to them about learning to relax. They think that, you know, competition and performance is about being really pumped. And I said, actually, the more relaxed you can be, excited, obviously, and full of adrenaline, but the more relaxed you can be, the easier your performance is going to come. But it's amazing how many people don't know what relaxation feels like. They haven't learned how to relax in everyday life, so they don't even know how to bring it in a situation where actually everything else is telling them to do the opposite. So I do 100% recommend that you learn relaxation techniques. I'm a big fan of breath work, and I know you mentioned Rory. I know he's kind of into that as well. And I'm, I'm a big fan of breath work because it's so simple and it's something you can do right in the moment. Like you're just about to go on to do a competition. You're just about at the, at the start of a race or whatever it is, whatever your sport is. You need to be able to do something that takes no equipment, you know, that doesn't mean you've got to sit down and meditate for 20 minutes. It's like an easy uh, entry point to it. There's not really a barrier, is there? You could do it anywhere. <laughs> no, anyone can do it. No one knows you're doing it, so you don't have to feel like a dick. You know, you just, <laughs> and it is really, really, but again, it does come back to practice. You need to know how it works. And the more you do it, the short-circuited it becomes. If that, you know, your body knows what's, what's expected of it. So I'm a big fan of the mind-body connection and by doing anything where you can, you know, kind of manage that parasympathetic nervous system, which is the relaxation system, if you can tap into that in your daily life, you'll find it so much easier to quickly short-circuit and tap into it when you need it on race day. So it's like everything in life. It's kind of the difference between being prepared and excited versus scared and panicky. You know, you can manage that by... Um, by knowing your triggers for when you're getting stressed and knowing how you manage them and by trying not to be stressed in daily life, by trying to learn relaxation, you'll, you'll, you'll be able to find that you'll benefit in so many areas, of life, including performance, you know. So I see it a lot. I see it with people. They don't know how to physically relax and it means that they're then holding themselves tense on performance day you know that and that's not helpful physically you know we do not want tense muscles we do not want short breaths when we're trying to perform so knowing how to do muscle relaxation is another one you know when you just do from top to toe and you relax your muscles one by one by one that's another great thing to do because then you can short circuit that on race day or performance day by doing something like learning to relax your jaw because you can't be tense when you're relaxed when you're trying to relax your jaw and it kind of then sends signals to relax the rest of your body. So there are so many little short techniques, simple techniques you can use, but I would say by all means explore the power of of chilling out because it will serve you brilliantly in other areas yeah, and of I think life. One big thing I help with as well is I think sleep is a big one because people get stuck in this sort of savage cycle of getting anxious about you know the event coming up or their training and this leads them to having less sleep which then increases their stress the next day because they've had no sleep and then they're in this cycle of never sleeping always stressed never performing um, I'm not sure how often how often you see that yeah cortisol's through the roof you know which is your yeah. stress hormone which you need mm. to perform but if you're not getting rest and bringing it back down again you know it's just going to spike and it's going to make you feel awful I mean I've I've repeat myself infinity about um sleep i say sleep is the secret source because sleep is what makes your body function properly and your mental state function properly i mean i i've had a, an on-off relationship with insomnia my whole life so i know <laughs> firsthand how shit life gets when you don't sleep um you know you just can't think straight you can't do anything straight and if you're repeatedly not getting sleep you know even just from a point of view of muscle repair man you know just you're just not going to get it so yeah sleep is key to relaxation and proper deep rest sleep like you know i know all the sleep hygiene about turning your phone off and and no alcohol and no caffeine and all of that and it's all true but it's about mental rest like really trying to figure out what it is that the stresses are in your life and how do you switch off from those 
I'm a big fan of meditation. I don't like to shout about it because people think it makes me some kind of woo-woo hippie. I was a very fidgety skeptic and decided that it wouldn't work for me before I'd even tried it, which shows that I had a fixed mindset about it all. And I figured that, you know what? It works for everyone else who does it, Nikki. What makes you so special? <laughs> and I gave it a go because I was given to um, some of my cognitive biases. We, everyone has their sort of like favorite cognitive biases and mine did tend to be overthinking. I would pick things apart. And often, you know, in bed when you're meant to be sleeping. So I wanted to know how I can calm my mind down to turn it down and switch it off. So I looked at loads of different ways of doing it. Found meditation really, really empowering. Um, great. You know, you just li listen to um, calming music, even if you just do that. The effect it has on your brain waves, if you listen to some of that kind of um, frequency-based music, you know, when you can kind of change the hearts, the frequency on a yeah. So that can even help. You know, just because your brain can only have one thing that it can listen to, despite our best efforts at trying to multitask, you can actually only listen to one thing at a time. So if you're listening to um, some chill music, you can't listen to yourself jipping on about whatever's stressing you out. So find your thing is what my point is. You know, find your thing that gives you deep rest, mental rest, not just physical rest so yes bring your cortisol bring your stress hormones down avoid the alcohol avoid the screens all of that but find out what switches your mind off what gives you is it getting out into nature all these things are cliche but for a reason you know they're true because turning our minds off is what we're really bad at in our busy lives you know we we just feel like we've got to be on all the time you know we're going to miss something and you won't you really won't you'll actually just gain loads of deep rest and the power that that will give you and you'll just carry that through to your um to your training as well because if you can learn to kind of manage your emotional state in that way as well you know your stress in your mind imagine what that can do to you on you know on on, on competition day so again you know these are not separate things they're all part and parcel of the same outcome I think oh, someone will talk about actually, Nick. I think this moves quite nicely onto onto the next point. Uh, bear with me on this one because it's uh, I'm going to try and uh, navigate myself through this. But something we talk about on the podcast a lot is the impact of language. Okay, now you mentioned meditation yeah. and how it can have so much. It's got so much importance and benefit for in terms of stress and sleep, etc. But also, if we link it back to changing the tape meditation could be a great sort of self-awareness piece because you sort of shut off from all the other distractions in the world and it allows you to actually think okay what's going on so there's a lot of benefit to be had there but the problem is the language you're normally associated with things like meditation and breath work etc as you said is a bit woo-woo a bit crazy um, and this puts people off so back to my point of the impact of language normally what we talk about is nocebic language being detrimental so i'd like to know sort of kind of what your thoughts are should we as a industry so health fitness all, all that should we be more mindful with not only the language we use sort of to ourselves um, but to others as well because of the impact it's potentially having on their growth in terms of body and mind yeah i mean self-talk is like mindset 101. Mm. You know, it's where I start with people. It's like how you talk, what what are the words you're using um, in your head? And we don't realise sometimes the way we're talking to ourselves, never mind other people, but we don't realise until we stop. Again, it's that awareness thing. It's like how do you talk to yourself? Do you catch yourself? So I say to people sometimes just spend a couple of days bringing your attention to the way you're talking into yourself. Like, what's the kind of tone of your voice? You know, it's not just the language. It's like, are you gentle? Are you kind? Are you hard on yourself? You know, and how does it turn up? When does this happen? You know, when do you start getting cross with yourself? And again, changing the words. I spend a lot of time, I've done workshops on this with people. Um, you know, if, you, if any of your listeners are interested about kind of which which language works best for different situations. So what self-talk looks like on race day is different to what self-talk is in training, is in relaxations. You know, So you can have different um, script that you follow for different situations. And again, it takes practice to see what works for you. You know, which words do you get a response from? So the way you talk to yourself is so, so important. And that's even down to having mantras. You know, when you're going into competition, having mantras that you know are going to make you, it comes back to that arousal dial, you know, what are going, what's going to get you feeling ready to perform? Um, so there's so much we can do with words and language. Um, my training is actually in neuro-linguistic programming, so words are really, really important. It is a question of finding the ones that work for you. So again, it's it's that toxic positivity. It doesn't work if you just say the words that you think sound right. If you're not getting some kind of visceral response, you'll know what words work for you because you'll just feel the energy. You know, you'll kind of feel yourself feeling better. 
being kind. And yeah, if you talk, most people aren't horrible to their friends, you know, so don't be so horrible to yourself. I don't agree with letting yourself off the hook, not finding excuses, you know, oh, go on, you can skip the training today. It's not that important. That, yeah, yeah. That's not helpful. Self-talk. That's not kind of self-talk I mean, but it's just that talk to yourself like a coach, you know, what would a coach say right now? What would a good friend say to me right now? How would a friend, how would I advise somebody in this situation? That kind of language. But again, I would just say to everybody, some people don't know what their com- what their conversations in their head sound like. You know, they haven't paid attention to it. It's just playing in the background and they haven't really noticed. So if anyone isn't aware of the way they talk to themselves, start doing that. Bring consciousness to it. Get curious about when you're talking to yourself negatively and what's triggered it and how could you reframe that to be more helpful yeah Nikki what I want to quickly do is just that you've kind of given quite a lot of action points to be fair really but I kind of want to just go back to this change in the tape things I want to give people a sort of as much information they can go over as possible uh you know they might come and speak to you afterwards for even more more great info but kind of what would you say is the top way now that people could go away after this and really look to improve their overall mindset. Of course, there's obviously a lot of context there, but this is obviously to a wide audience. So, I mean, what would be your go-to action point that people could sort of take hold of uh, straight away? Simple framework. Yeah. Yeah, my, my, my simple thing would be to cultivate a growth mindset, which encapsulates a lot of things, but it means being willing to do the work, see the change, get aware. If you only do one thing tomorrow be aware of what your triggers are and where you need to change and be open to that change, you know? So be willing and be positive about what that's going to achieve for you. So, you know, kind of embrace it, embrace the need for, for the change, if that's that's the right word. So it's, it's about having a growth mindset and kind of going, do you know what? I want to change. I want to do the work. I want to get better. Would you say a good suggestion potentially would be for people to write these things down? People all the time, if you, you can't set goals properly if you haven't written them down, and that means writing them down in detail, how, what, how, the mini steps. But even if you just have a stream of consciousness when you're first starting to do this, you know, when you're first bringing awareness to the stuff that you want to change, just scribbling it down because there's kind of like a contract between your mind and your hands yeah. and your body again. So it's like when you write things down, it makes things um, more understandable more Hmm. interpretable and there's kind of accountability going on as well but it's a really valid practice just by writing it down it's no longer just locked away in your mind there's actual physical aspect it's right there in front of you on pen and paper yeah i really like that because if it's in front of you written down positive it's it's there you can't dismiss it whereas as you said in our mind we so easily go back to those negative thoughts we have a positive thought we'll go oh i did that yesterday but then you'll quickly dismiss it move on to negative again but if it's written down you can't deny it you can't dismiss it it's there in front of you in, in cold hard pen or, pe- or, pe- or pencil so you know it's yeah it's good top tip i've got for people and then i you know then i will stop um before they, they have to come and see me <laughs> but it's like if you, write, yeah. you get if you get into the habit of writing down some of your wins, you know, just even mini things that went well, that, that training session for you, things that went well, and you just write three things down after every session. It's a, it's a hard habit to get into, but once you're forced to do it and you've forced your brain to see what went well rather than, as you say, that negativity of what did I not do very well, what went wrong, how did I fuck up today? No, write down three things that went really well for you. Get into the habit of doing that. It might be really difficult to start with and you might have to almost like kind of force it to become that habit. But try and get in the habit of writing down three wins for your session and you'll then get like, you'll have a, a, you know, that you can start looking back on and you'll get into the habit of positive focus as well of like, okay, I have to look at, yes, look at what you can learn from, but don't forget to reward yourself by saying you did this well, because that builds a confidence bank. Hey guys, I won't keep you long, I promise, but what a perfect opportunity as you are fully absorbed into this week's episode to quickly tell you about our mega amazing membership support platform thingy called Patreon. Um, Now Patreon is a membership platform for creators, so what it allows you to do is subscribe to the membership tier, get some cool little bonuses from us, and you help support us. So by joining our Patreon, what you're really doing is you're helping support the running costs of this podcast, and you're going to allow us to do some cool things in the future, like hopefully buy some new cameras to really improve our video footage, potentially some more microphones in the future. I mean, even though these are pretty good for now, and something we really want to do in the future is add some you know cool merch in there as well. But that's not free, is it? So. 
all the money that goes into this membership platform is being put back into the podcast. And you also get some pretty cool things in return as well, such as some of you could be listed as producers of the podcast. You get access to any future Q&As we do. You get access to live podcasts, ones that aren't on Twitch. You could also potentially get a personal video from me and Tom um, thanking you, depending on which tier you sign up to. Uh, and there's loads of those more in there as well. So essentially, guys, head over to patreon.com slash podcast, and you'll be presented with three tiers. And the first one is the price of a cup of coffee every month. So yeah, hopefully we'll be chatting to you over there soon on the private Patreon feed. Anyway, let's get back into this week's episode. Okay, Nikki, what we're going to do now is we're going to move on to the, the, the final couple of bits of the show. And the first part is I've left this intent. Normally, normally we do our Instagram polls at the beginning, but I've left this at the end on purpose, okay, because it's going to be quite triggering, I think. So I asked a couple of questions to our followers, Nikki, and the first one was, do you perform or you know, conduct any sort of mindset training? And I wasn't really surprised that nobody said yes. Um, obviously, some people might not have been to be honest with it. Hopefully after this, maybe they'll, uh, dip, they'll dip their toe in, who knows? Uh, but then the next, the next question I asked was why? Because I always want to say why these people have said no. Why? Why don't they do it? And the, the response I want to read to you is uh, it's, it's, it's quite a uh, interesting one. So they said, "Sounds like what overpriced celeb trainers tell UFC fighters they need." <laughs> I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Well, when I when I first started doing it, I had to spend spend a lot of time educating people about what mental training is, and more importantly, what it isn't. And I found there was like a kind of right at the beginning of their journey who thought. I'm not a pro, I'm not an elite, I'm not at the sharp pointy end of my sport, so it's not for me. Mm -hmm. There is a kind of attitude um, around sports psychology um, that it's only for pros or that it means that you've got a weakness and you have to admit to weakness and no one likes to do that. I mean, it's bullshit, really. I think anyone who's willing to come and have a go at it proves to me that they're willing to grow as an athlete. I'm dealing with pros at the moment, with a pro cyclist at the moment who's... um, the fact that she's, you know, aware of these marginal gains that she can be making says a lot about her as an athlete. So I kind of feel like it's, again, it's, it's perversely about people's mindset to do the work. <laughs> yeah, it's it, yeah. It's, that's, that's it, isn't it? I, th- I feel like, I've said this numerous times now on podcasts and videos, is people hate what they don't understand and they'll pick holes in things because they'd rather not admit that it might be what they need or there might be a good thing. But it's just easy, it's easier, isn't it, to be negative and dismiss it. It's so much, it's, it's so much easier to hate on something than actually be nice about it. Yeah. it just says, that just shows what we are as a society. <laughs> We're going to go on to some secret questions now. And these are always good fun, so don't worry, don't panic. But you've mentioned some athletes here. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to bring in, I'm going to bring in a dear friend of mine a lady called Jane, who I know you know as well. And I know she listens to the podcast and she will definitely listen to this podcast because she's been very excited about this one. So the question is, who is the fitter athlete? What, out of me and her? Yeah, who'd win in anything? Just any, any, is it, I don't know. Bare knuckle fighting. Yeah, bare knuckle fighting while holding a toaster on rollerblades. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I think, I don't know. I think I'd probably, uh, I'd probably be the angrier, but she's way stronger than me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah she's very strong isn't she uh, well I'll tell you what we could have said uh break dancing because by 20 you can't it said uh it's actually going to be an olympic sport by the next time the olympics comes around break there dancing go. so there you go technically we could have said break dancing i don't think she'd mind me saying this but i am more competitive than her so she'd have the skills but i she'd have the strength on me but you've got the mindset my she's determination got, yeah. to win that's no bounds <laughs> Yeah. See, so, see how that nicely ties in there? I did that. So, so what you're telling me here, Nicky, is that if I was to give you both state-of-the-art toasters, some high-quality rollerblades, put you into a ring and said, right, go at it. Ain't bullseye. You, <laughs> you, would, you would come out on top. Is that what you're telling me? This, I need to just get this a, a, a firm statement that we can put out to the public so Jane hears it. Would you win? Uh, she, she would clobber me with the toasters. Oh, okay. oh there you go, Jane. You, you've, there you go. There we go. We've got out there that she, she'll be. She, you'll probably get a message after this now. She'll be like, "No, you'll win, Nikki. You'll win. You're better than me." I'm really unhappy at saying that. <laughs> Just so. <bad. laughs> I don't know, No, seriously. For our audio listeners, she's literally shaking. <laughs> I would have to win. I'm sorry. I would. I would just do whatever it takes. Right. We'll get we'll get this in the calendar then. Um, I'll get on with the rollerblades, Tom. If you want to source some toasters, mate, um, then we'll find a venue. <laughs> Maybe Folk Fit here in uh, Kingsland, the gym we all go to. But we can uh, get that get that. Uh, as, as the venue Toasters, of choice. In this day and age, well, cost of living's on the rise, mate. Cost of living's on the rise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, maybe we won't have to be top of the range ones then. But um, as long as we're not farmer lifting, it's all good. Oh, there we go then. Well, there's my secret question, Jane. 
Um, there you go. You and Nikki have to have a serious conversation about this, I'm sure, off air. Tom, have you got any secret questions you want to ask? No, well, originally when you said, oh, look, we've got the mind coach coming on, I mis- mistook mind coach for like, oh, yeah, psychic. So my <laughs> psychic. secret question was like, look, can we have a word with Lady Di or Colonel Sanders or one of the <laughs> other celebrities? Oh, for so obviously sake. I've had to change things since then. Um no, I was happy with your secret questions, Bill. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you kind of almost did something because mind reading is another cognitive bias, you know, where people think they know what the other person's thinking about them. That's why we turned our cameras off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we, know, we know your power, Nikki. We're, 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 we're fearful of your... Uh... I don't need to find out about the body in the garden. Bill's, Bill's garden, not my garden. Oh, Jesus Christ. I mean, if you dug up his patio, you'd find all sorts. Knockos, knee sleeves, God knows what else. Headbands, yeah. yeah. I was... Just a CrossFit graveyard. Yeah. Send oh, it Steve's uh, decomposing, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you know, you know. Yeah, brilliant. Oh, God. Boy, it's like, sound like an episode of Cracker or something, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Anyway, Nikki, it's been a pleasure. Before we do tune out for the week, where can people find you if they want to get involved with you and they want you to read their mind, as uh, Tom just said there? Uh, where, 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 where can they find you? I, oh, I'd be, do you know what? If anyone wants to come and see me one-on-one or wants me to come and do a workshop or a chat, just get in touch via the socials. I'm on Facebook and I'm on Instagram. So you can just find me as the mind coach there and then um, just DM me. Um, if you've got questions, you know, if you want to know more about anything we've talked about or you've got other stuff, you want to find out more about it, I'm here. Just, you know, I, I love talking to people about this stuff. So I'm always available. Yeah, for sure. I'll leave all the links down in the show notes, guys. So if you want to head down there, it'll be a uh, numerous links you can get hold of. Because uh, I feel like we just kind of scratched the surface there. Obviously, we've only got a certain amount of time to podcast, but there's a lot, there's a lot, a lot more to it. And I think it all comes back to doing the work. I think if we go back to the beginning of this episode, doing the work is really at its core because it's quite a difficult thing mindset. I think because it's not as visual as maybe building muscle or getting stronger, people don't put the work in consistently I feel so I feel like this is where we need to really get down to the core of it put doing the work putting the work in Joe, you know, particularly when like your goal is something like uh, when you're trying to change your lifestyle or your health that's where you get the most resistance but that's another podcast I think <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> put the work in <laughs> cool yeah um, make the choices uh, it's been a pleasure as always guys and we will see you on the next one see you later guys it's been an absolute pleasure as always thanks for listening if you want to get in touch with Nikki, as I did say at the end there, check out the show notes below this podcast on your listening app and there will be links taking you straight to her. Also down in said show notes, there will be a link to our Patreon. So if you want to join our super duper mega support thingy and help support us in the making of this podcast, because funny enough, running an AI Tom is very expensive, then check out that link and get involved. And also a big thank you to those who've taken the time to check it out. And an even bigger thank you to Colleen, one of our producers, as her title states, and someone who has been around since the early days. So yeah, check it out. We will see you next week, same time, same place for a brand new episode. See you soon.